My name is Hugh Agro. I'm the president and CEO of Revival Goals. Revival is advancing the Bear Track Arnett Gold Project located in the western U.S. state of Idaho. Hugh, good to see you again. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I understand you've just been on the, uh, on, on, um, traveling around on a roadshow of sorts. Uh, where have you been and what did you see? Yeah, just back from the Gold Forum in Zurich, Merlin, which was, uh, which was exciting. Uh, we've got um, the usual band of uh, pundits. Uh, I've never heard them so enthusiastic about the gold price. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Stiefel, for example, uh, with lots of strong rationale for why gold uh, is looking solid here. And um, investors, I think, are still yet to jump on the bandwagon in earnest, but that creates great opportunity for investors uh, in companies like Revival Gold. Uh, what was the average age of the attendees in the room? Were, were, were there lots of um, grey heads and um, dinosaurs, or were there some new young blood? Were there kind of the, the, the tech migrants coming across, or was that not visible just yet? Uh, Zurich tends to be the uh, the older crowd, uh, but uh, to your point, we are seeing some younger people um, uh, joining in the activities. I think the internet has a lot to do with it. Social media. Uh, is attracting a lot of uh, younger people into into gold and gold equity investing. And uh, there's a lot of uh, communication uh, dialogue that goes on through social media, and uh, you're hearing that in the discourse at these in-person meetings. Good, good, good. Well, we certainly need it, because I mean, it still feels as if the the market is pretty unloved, particularly down at the junior end of the sector. I mean, um, would you agree that uh, the, the juniors have yet to feel the love? I would, but as you and I were talking offline, there are uh, there are indi indications that that's uh, changing. We we definitely have some uh, that are attracting a lot of attention, and so that 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 I believe is a good sign. And if you look in the last six months, where the performance has been, it's been on those um, uh, uh, you know deeply beat up uh, producers, sort of the uh, the shorter dated kind of options on 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 the gold price. And um, the next sort of rotation, I believe, will be into the longer dated options on the gold price, that is the developer explorers. And of course, we've got this, uh, and Revival Gold's been talking about this for a long time, but we've got this, this growing gap between the pace of global production uh, and the pace of global discovery running uh, at about uh, 10 to 20 million ounces a year versus uh, 100 and 120 million ounces a year of production. So that's a that's a big, big gap since about 2011, and it doesn't sort itself out quickly. It's um, it's going to take time and uh, a lot of investment in a uh, in a very underinvested sector. So that's a that's something that can spring back uh, very quickly, and I believe the opportunity is uh, is very good for investors today. So are you effectively saying that you'll you see the uh, gold supply as being relatively inelastic because? Um, it doesn't have the discoveries and the new projects with which it could respond to higher prices. Exactly. And, uh, it, you know, to put it into perspective, we would need to discover um, uh, 10 years worth of uh, gold at the rate we're currently running to replace the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Federal Reserve of gold. And to put that into perspective, as I like to remind people, the U.S. Federal Reserve is only about one-fifteenth the value of the U.S. Strategic Reserve in petroleum. So, uh, it's a it's, it's a very very uh, precious uh, asset this this gold that we do have and the discovery let alone taking these things into production and all that's involved in doing that uh, is is a long uh, dated item so so these are these are these are these are 
very uh, interesting times here. We've got undervalued juniors, uh, explorer developers. We've got seniors that are starting to get the love at $2,000 gold. A very good shape of those companies are in with, with dividends and with free cash flow and with the pristine uh, balance sheets in a lot of cases. And yet, um, you know, they, their, their, their future is resting on, on the junior sector. Uh, it's, 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 we, I could talk about this all day long, but um, just uh, um, it, I think it's important for the developers to, to um, come up with a, uh, an input price on their studies, which is below the current market price and which is relatively conservative. Because um, what will happen when a price rises, it becomes easier for uh, a an existing producer just to lower its cutoff and so it can kind of continue it can kick the can down the road on its depletion because it can add more ounces of the low grade it can add marginal ounces to extend its mine life but in a rising gold price environment if if a developer has taken a conservative price on their study that the 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 full rise of the gold price is enhanced or it is captured within the economics of the study at a more conservative price yeah, that's a very good point, um, and we're seeing the producers today do that with the reserves being booked, you know, um, at, at well below spot gold prices. Uh, resources uh, closer to, to spot gold price. Uh, I think the long-term forecast for the metal is uh, is still quite low here amongst analysts at about uh, sixteen fifty to seventeen hundred dollar gold. Um, but uh, no, your point is a good one. The thing that we have to keep an eye on, though, is that when when we make these studies, uh, we tend to make the, the the input costs of production at this at the current spot rates. So we, we're talking about energy, labor, uh, uh, other inputs to production, and then we tend to really discount these uh, the gold price at which we do these studies at. So so there's an embedded uh, uh, double benefit. If the gold price rises, in that the, um, the expected cost structure uh, will not go up as much, and that's a that's a benefit as well. But uh, it leads to conservatism in um, in what work is being done, and I think it's fair to say that if a project is nearer term to cash flow, uh, one probably needs to think about a a more contemporary gold price. Uh, if a if it it's a big project that has a long gestation period until it's actually producing free cash flow, then I, then I think a more conservative gold price is warranted. But uh, for those projects uh, that are, you know, in good locations, uh, you know, in the case of uh, a project like Revival Gold's Bear Track Arnett on a brownfield site with existing infrastructure and timelines to production, I think, I think we, can, uh, we can afford to be less conservative on our gold price because we're, we're on a shorter path to production. Well, um, to that point, uh, you've just put out a news release a week or two ago about, uh, you know, an update on the pre-feasibility study, which is due uh, in the middle of this year. Uh, and in that, the, the, just just to um, encapsulate what that pre-feasibility study will cover, it's, remind me, is it the heap leach aspect of it on the 380 odd thousand ounces of gold, which is deemed to be treatable in the um, it, it, with recoverable gold in the heap leach. Yes, it will be heap leach only. Of course, we have a second phase uh, of this project, which is still an exploration um, and which would require a mill and longer uh, timelines. 
uh, a very exciting aspect of this project. But in the first instance, um, it, we want to focus in on the heap leach. Why? Because it's relatively simple. It uh, leverages the existing infrastructure. It has a relatively low capital uh, cost of entry, and we can uh, produce gold in in this gold price cycle. Um, and and just broad broad terms, uh, our our PEA, uh, which was completed in 2020 on this same project, was about 850,000 ounces uh, into the mine plan, uh, produced about uh, half a million ounces of gold uh, over a period of seven years. And I think, broadly speaking, what the PFS is going to do is decrease the risk on that plan, that, that, that same plan. Heap leach, relatively modest in scale, 60 to 70,000 ounces a year of gold production, uh, plus or minus uh, uh, seven to nine years uh, mine life. And importantly, all M&I uh, measured in indicated resource for the PFS. Chris, we're going to have inferred material beyond the M&I, uh, but it won't be included in the PFS. The PFS is a more, um, is a more uh, a, a certain uh, set of estimates and engineering analysis. And of course, we'll have fine-tuned the capital, the operating costs, uh, the mine plan, and all of those good things. Um, and um, we're excited about it because it's uh, it's the next major value step for us, and it's the next major uh, de-risking. Um, the, you've also recently published some uh, drilling results of some oxide intersections, 18 meters, one gram, you know, 16 meters a gram and a half. I, th I think those are kind of the figures from the, the Haiti zone. And you also talk about going on to do more exploration at Haiti. Is that going to be incorporated is that are you going to be able to incorporate the uh the expansion of haiti uh into this pfs or was or you know ha have you drawn the cutoff already on the on the on the drilling of the oxide zones we will have all of our 2022 drilling uh in the updated resource that'll underpin this pfs uh, but the deposit remains open and we certainly haven't uh, tested the full p the potential at Haney, nor across the uh, the left branch of our property position, where we've got uh, four or five other oxide gold targets, um, which are uh, which are highlighted by soil geochem, by geophysics, by rock chip sampling, and have not been uh, drilled by Revival Gold. So these are targets we want to uh, we want to get out and explore. But first things first, uh, we wanted to complete the infill drilling required to convert inferred mineralization to this higher quality measured and indicated measure, uh, category and to support our our PFS. Uh, so um, short answer, yes, the drilling from 2022 will be in the resource, but we're not expecting a huge increase in the resource from that activity. Uh, rather, we'll get to that uh, later this year and, and next year. Uh, we want to complete the PFS first, though, so that we can fine-tune where the high-value targets that will have immediate impact on the mine plan for uh, for the next step of a feasibility study and um, and that's and that's coming here shortly so complete the PFS then do some more exploration drilling uh, on the oxides and then revisit timings of the feasibility later in the year or possibly early into 2024 correct uh, we will do a feasibility study there's a lot of people who ask us you know why 
why go to the feasibility stage? And, and I think the, uh, uh, the industry is littered with examples of folks who run to um, a construction decision prematurely on the basis of pre-feasibility study engineering. There are still bugs to work out through the, this, through the stage of PFS to FS. Uh, not so much in the case where you have the existing plant and the site and familiarity and you're not changing any of the uh, the approach, but um, there are some, some, some fine-tuning aspects that we'll want to do. And it doesn't take or detract from our um, our re-permitting uh, cycle because we'll launch our re-permitting uh, formally following the PFS. I, I'm certainly an advocate for uh, never skipping a step and uh, the the delays the overruns in budget those typically occur when there hasn't been sufficient de-risking between uh, concept and uh, execution so uh, you've got my support all the way if it's worth anything on um, completing a feasibility study um, well just just as an example of that um, you know in between our PEA uh, and in our PFS we did get some changes you know we had some pluses and we had some minuses and um and and those are yet to be sorted out but um uh it it, it is an evolution there's a lot of detail um in in doing this i mean we're talking about even even a million ounce resource is is 2 billion dollars worth of value in the ground and uh and so there's a lot of expense uh capital and operating related to getting that out of the ground um and those numbers uh, need to be very well understood they need to be fine tuned as we go and uh, when you mentioned permitting, what do you can you just kind of give me a little bit more clarity on that? Because um, I know that you've been a past producer. What do, what does the permitting going forward look like in terms of uh, expectations of how long it might take and and a sequence of program? Yeah, we'll have a lot more detail on that uh, following the release of the PFS because the PFS will set the footprint of what areas we will disturb, and of course we're. We're on a disturbed site. We're on an existing plan of operations, an existing permit, but we will have to modify that. And the extent of the modification will come out of the PFS work. Um, now, having said that, we've already initiated informally our steps for uh, permitting, and, uh, and, and, and that involves doing a supplemental baseline data collection. It involves engaging with the regulators on all the aspects that will have to be re-permitted. And so we started that about a year and a half ago. Um, the next steps will be further collection of um, supplemental baseline data to, to, to augment what we have in 30 years of operating history at the site. Um, and the other thing we'll be, we'll be doing, of course, is, 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 is fine-tuning um, with the regulators uh, all of the different uh, individual permits and, um, and making those applications. Um, but... Generally speaking, we'd like to be in a in a position to uh, make a decision on construction by the end of 2026, and we'd like to be able to be producing gold by the end of uh, 2027. It will take about a year, uh, plus or minus, to get the site up and running. So those are broadly the uh, the objectives we have. But um, come back to me. Uh, after our PFS with for more details on the specifics and what's involved in the in the details of, of getting there. I will do. I will do. Um, it's funny, in some ways, 2020, the end of 2026 feels like a long time away um, before you know, making a final con uh, investment decision. Uh, and yet, also in the context of how long an average gold mine 
or an average mine takes to come into production. I, th I think the data is now it's kind of well in excess of 12 years. So uh, looking at four years is on the on the low side of that. So it, it's it's a combination of far dated but also near dated. Well, it, you know, it's a process one has to go through. The, the benefit is, and as we were talking about earlier, uh, we can tighten up our engineering while we're doing that. Uh, we can continue to uh, add resources and build out the uh, build out the plant. And uh, all of that's going to be additive to value. So, um, I, you know, I think uh, I think we make good use of the time. Um, now, when we were setting up this meeting last week, uh, you mentioned that you'd been to Finland to look at a kind of an analog of the the kind of the wider bear arnet, um, bear track arnet, um, uh, deeper resource, the the sulfide resource, uh, with some metallurgical challenges. Uh, can you tell me? I'd I'd love to know what you got from your visit and what the the um, the the Agnico guys shared with you. Yeah, um, this is a sulfide deposit. We're talking about at Veritrack in the in the second phase. It will require a mill. I it's 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 not that um, it, it's uh, challenging. It's that it's just it's just more involved. It's not as simple as uh, a heap leach process, an open heap heap leach process. It will require more capital and more timelines, and so um, you know we look to examples like Kila in Finland as to how that can be done and done successfully. Um, the other commonality between Beartrack, uh, Arnett, and 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 Kila is is just simply the geology and um, the the orientation of the deposit. Uh, we're both roughly uh, five kilometers of strike. We're both the vertically a, a dipping structure um, that's um, that's underground mined at um, a, you know at the at the sort of grades that uh, we're seeing at Bear Track Arnett, um, and the sort of throughputs that we would imagine for uh, for a future operation, and so it was very instructive for our team to get out to uh, Kitala and have the opportunity to uh, to to see that operation and how uh, how they deal with um, uh, the deposit and in the mine. Um, Keylight is Europe's largest primary gold producer. Uh, I, I believe the throughput's going up to two million tons a year, and the and the gold production will be just under three hundred thousand ounces a year. Um, that's the sort of mine that we envisioned for Bear Track Arnett ultimately. And um, it, it, I, I think there's a couple of major differences though, which are which are favorable for Bear Track. Uh, number one is that our location is uh, certainly much more favorable than being in the middle of the uh, uh, Arctic Circle, uh, from a logistics point of view, from an operating point of view, um, power costs in the United States, and in particular where we are, where we have access to hydropower, are probably about a, um, a, a fifth, a one-fifth uh, of what you might see in, um, in Northern Europe. Um, and so that's a big advantage for, uh, for Bear Track Arnett. The other thing is, as we think about the deposit and how we would mine it, uh, one of the aspects about our project, which is so exciting, is that we've got very consistent mineralization, and we've got it in a in a uh, in a in a very um, what looks to be a very continuous um, uh, high grade core with this um, broad uh, lower grade halo around it, and that makes for a simpler mining uh, uh, opportunity because. There isn't the requirement to do multiple stopes, uh, extensive development that um, is required to support having multiple stopes. And so as we look at Bear Track Arnett, uh, we're thinking about long-haul open stoping. 
very commonly used underground mining method for our uh, our, our our deeper resources, and uh, very attractive in terms of efficiency of mining. So some very important differences on the mining side and on the processing side. Uh, you know, we've now completed uh, two phases of metallurgical test work. We are doing some more test work uh, to look at the possibility of a shipping concentrate as uh, part of our our development uh, plan for the for the uh, for the uh, sulfides. Um, in the meantime, what we're seeing is 94% recovery from a very standard flow sheet of um, of, of a single uh, flotation uh, and then pressure uh, then uh, pressure ox uh, leach of residue for gold recovery. In the case of um, Kitala, there's another process in, inserted in there. They've got to do a a a, um, a, um, a preparatory flotation to pull carbon from the from the rock, and that's a yeah, that's an added cost and an added uh, complication to the process. But uh, so, so their their flow sheet is the, this pre-flow to the carbon. Then, do, do they 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 do flotation to get the sulfide, and then they pressure do pressure oxidation of the of the sulfide. Correct. And they produce a con, or do they go through to dore? They go through to dore. Okay. And do they do they share with you? Uh, kind of key metrics such as uh, operating costs, um, recoveries, cutoff grade, and average grade. Yeah, we we um, you know we we did uh, get a good sense of where they're at on 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 many of those things. Uh, there's lots of public information available for for folks that uh, want to find it. Um, but uh, the answer is yes, and it's 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 instructive for us. And it's really it's a it, it's a you know hats off to uh, to Agnico and the team at Kitala for uh, for being um, uh, collaborative miners and in, in, in inviting us out to uh, to visit their project and have an opportunity to have these kind of discussions. This is this is the um, you know this is the uh, the mining industry at its best really, and uh, we we really appreciate that having had that opportunity to. Uh, because no mine is exactly the same as another, and so we're not competing with another one another. What we're trying to do is improve on each other's activities. And you know, we were um, we were joined by some of the exploration team at um, at uh, at Agdico, and this is this is beneficial for them as they think about uh, you know what's going on in industry. These these uh, type of deposits, uh, orogenic gold systems, uh, which I think are becoming more and more of interest in the gold space as we go underground and as we think about finding reserves for the future. Um, I think these uh, these bigger companies are, are going to have to be more creative about uh, where they go and, and how they go. And uh, so this is part of the learning process on their side. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if you can pay off your capex on a, on a large-scale system, if you can pay off the, the capex at the front end, then everything else within sight of the, the head frame, so to speak, of your mind becomes potential um, value. Uh, got a very different economic setup to something without the infrastructure, which is already embedded or paid off. Oh, and, you know, you and I have talked about this before, Merlin, but uh, we've got this first phase heap leach. It's relatively modest, um, but we're also looking at breaking down the second phase of the project, the sulfide phase of the project, as we think about a mill. And um, if we go underground first and produce a concentrate and ship that concentrate, we can eliminate uh, a lot of the, um, the processing infrastructure that would be required on the outset. So in a sense, 
uh, it gives us a, a pipeline that's um, you know that's that, that's more efficient, and uh, we can still produce a lot of gold uh, through through shipping a concentrate. Now, we've got a lot more work to do on that, uh, starting with test work, metallurgical test work, and then understanding the market for concentrates and 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 all of those good things. Uh, but as the deposit grows in the underground, and as we have this opportunity. Uh, with some of the amazing high-grade hits we're getting in this deposit, that uh, that will certainly come to the forefront. And then longer term, um, we've got a very large open pit uh, mill resource, which which um, you know will be just will be certainly able to justify a, um, a a mill complex and all of the more complicated involved uh, steps along the way. Uh, it is a big project, and uh, and so by breaking it down, we make it a more manageable, bite-sized uh, 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 development uh, plan. In terms of the budget of what you're going to be spending this year, how much is going uh, into uh, ongoing exploration and de-risking of the kind of the, the phase two bear track arnic, and how much is going into the phase one heat bleach? Um, pr- predominantly uh, phase one heat bleach. Uh, do you want to? Can you give? And, and you can. You can. You can appreciate that um, you know that that is how we get more quickly to free cash flow, and it's uh, it, it's of immediate value to our our, our owners. Uh, we want to preserve that upside. We don't want to dilute our shareholder base. Uh, you know, in the absence of a large strategic coming along, we we want to preserve that upside for our investors down the road. Um, slightly coming back to the kind of the, the opening part of the conversation, which is about where we are in the cycle and and how. Uh, the market is viewing uh, development companies. How do you look at valuation of uh, revival gold? Are you working on a kind of on a, um, a towards an NPV number as being the key driver for the valuation milestone of uh, the company based on the heat bleach, or are you looking on a per ounce basis for the kind of the wider project, or a combination of the two? I think this is part of the opportunity for investors right now because the 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 company is is valued right now i believe on the leach project and i don't think we're getting a lot of credit for our longer term potential and as those ounces uh, in the mill aspect of this project go into an economic plan and come forward as a as an npv as a as a uh, as an asset value i think we'll start to see a dramatic uh, re-rate in the company and um and so that's that's the opportunity but um you know um uh, it, it's hard to, to see exactly how different analysts and, and different investors take a different approach to things. But uh, to answer your question, I think for the most part at the moment, we're being valued on the plus or minus a million ounces of, of heap leachable material in the project. And we're not getting a lot of credit for the three million ounces of mill material. But as that comes into a mine plant uh, and, and goes into a, uh, a, a study or as investors can start to see uh, the potential around that NAV, I think there's a dramatic re-rate in the, uh, in the company's value. Well, almost the first step linked to the pre-feasibility study, we'll be getting some uh, better detail on, the, uh, on the, the value proposition in the heat bleach because, I mean, you, you, you spoke earlier about the kind of the evolution in thinking with some pluses and some minuses. You know, you've got the oxides, uh, which have been discovered, uh, more oxides, the infill, some good results. Equally, we've had inflation, we've had cost inflation. What's that going to do to operating costs, capital costs? So the or the PEA from 2020, three, two and a half years later, three years later, the PFS, I think, is going to give a lot of um, a, a much better benchmark for for the market to be able to kind of work out what the 
discount is to NPV and to see whether that's in line with its peers or not. Exactly. And I think I think even if um, um, you know, even if uh, we get a even a small uh, amount of value uh, accretion for um, for our mill ounces, um, I, I think there is there's a ton of value in the in the company right now. I mean, we're uh, if we looked at it on a per ounce basis, we're trading at about thirteen dollars an ounce right now, and our our you know our peers are. Uh, I double that, and um, you know, takeout prices for for uh, assets like BearTrack are net, um, albeit um, perhaps a little bit further along the road, are multiples to that. So there's a lot of upside in the story. Our job is to minimize dilution, deliver maximum uh, results, and um, and uh, we're doing that. And the team is delivering. Uh, on all fronts, in terms of de-risking the asset, in terms of discovery costs at less than five dollars an ounce in the ground, and in terms of you know managing uh, managing our our costs along the way. Uh, and in terms of news flow, what are you looking at over the next uh, few months? Is is, is the next uh, bit of news going to be the the, the pre feasibility itself, or have you got a few other things in the pipeline on the way? Main bit of news is the pre feasibility study. Uh, we're also doing an updated resource alongside of that. Um, the the big changes there, I think, uh, are going to be around moving inferred material to measured and indicated to support that PFS. Uh, but the other thing which I think is pretty interesting is as we get more drill data in the underground opportunity at BearTrack, uh, uh, we'll be able to fine-tune the underground plan. And just as a small example of that, uh, our last resource in 2020 was done solely with uh, open pit sized blocks in the in the in the resource model and of course in the underground that's not the most efficient way to block out the deposit it leads to uh, uh, dilution which is which is not really um, uh, what you'd see in an underground operation so we're fine-tuning that block model uh, sizing for the underground fine-tuning the mining approach fine-tuning the geological constraints on the resource model and I think we're going to see some improvements in the overall quality of the underground resource as we do that. And as we get more drill data into the underground resource, I, I, I not only will it grow, but the, the but the grade will go up. I'm I'm certain of that. Uh, it's it's one of our our biggest constraints on this deposit is drill data. As you know, it's open in all directions. It's five kilometers in strike. Uh, we've got multiple drill targets. Um, and uh, we're just um, we're, we're just working with the data we have to show how big and how 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 impressive the the potential value of this is. So by using smaller blocks, I, I, I mean if you use smaller blocks and get a tighter um, 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 wireframe around your resource, uh, you would normally drop tons and increase grade because you've got you're better constrained on the uh, the ore the ore block itself. But what you're saying is that you, with the new drill data, you're going to get a potential uplift in grade, but also add more blocks along the structure, so you should see the growth in the tons as well. Yeah, there's a wonderful section uh, if you can show it in the in, in the video um, here. We talk as we're talking, uh, which shows the block model in our Joss area, and we drilled at the end of last year 200 meters below that. And we intersect 11 meters of 10 grams, another uh, 10 or 11 meters of 6 grams. And so, you know, that, if you think about that in the context of a large, continuous 
uh, uh, deposit, it's it's really important to uh, to the resource potential. And um, we've got a few of those holes that we'll be adding in as part of uh, this resource update in the Joss area and starting to put that picture together. So uh, not only are we going to get improvements as we fine-tune the block modeling, but we've certainly got um, you know, drill data that's going to improve the underground potential there in the resource as well. And much of it will still be in the inferred category because we just don't have the density of drilling. Uh, but but it, this kind of deposit, an orogenic gold system, uh, behaves this way. A lot of continuity, both vertically and horizontally, and a lot of scale. And um, where are you on balance sheet? What's the, what's the treasury looking like? Yeah, so we ended last year with uh, just over $3 million, uh, sufficient to take us through the PFS and the, uh, and the resource update that we've been talking about. Um, we are keeping an eye on the, uh, you know, on the market, and uh, we've got uh, lots of dialogue with the various strategics. Uh, we'll have to give some thought to the next leg of financing and, um, and, and, and put that in place at some time along the, uh, the way here. Um, I, I think you know, our, incline, our inclination is to get um, the PFS results and the uh, resource update results out first. Uh, but, um, you know, this market just moves so quickly. And uh, if we see an opportunity or uh, some some value-add party to bring into the story, we'll Good, 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 good. Well, thank you very much uh, for the update. It only uh, leaves me to ask a uh, final question, which is, did you, uh, when you were in Finland, uh, did you have a naked sauna and drink vodka and, and roll in the snow? <laughs> we, we, did a, we did a PG version of that. We... Uh, we we were we have we have wonderful hosts. Um, the, the fellows at uh, Keeler are just wonderful, but uh, and the Finns are beautiful people too. So yes, we we had an outdoor uh, barbecue uh, lunch by the river, a frozen river in the snow. Uh, it was a bright sunny day, uh, and uh, with the geologists. Uh, so yeah, very hospitable people. Very good, uh, very good uh, hosts. Good. Well, good to hear it, and I hope you'll be able to reciprocate to uh, visitors to your mine site in due course. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll work on doing more of that. Good. Hugh, thanks so much. Okay. Thank you, Merlin.